0: Nuts in May. Look at this comic typeface. I'm very influenced by the great cartoonist Ronald Searle, and that's his style of lettering. And it kind of sets the, the comic tone for this ridiculous saga which we're about to experience. These guys in the Morris Minor have just come off the Sandbanks ferry, which runs from near Bournemouth to the Isle of Purbeck via Studland Heath. This is Studland Heath. And those things are brooms for putting out fires. This is a very soppy song they're singing, and we'll find out about this song in greater detail later.
1: Why not?
0: And another thing that we'll find out about later, very shortly in fact, is Corv Castle which of course is famous for its association with Oliver Cromwell.
1: Hello, good afternoon. afternoon. My name's Mr. Pratt. I phoned Mr. Beale on the 21st of March. Shall I park over there? Yes, do. Thank you. Now then, Candice Marie. You stay here and I'll go across and check in at the office. I I'll, won't be long. I'll come across with you, Keith. Now, you stay here and mind the things.
0: Keith and Candice Marie, blissfully happy bunnies in a totally dysfunctional relationship. Stay tuned. Yes, isn't it?
1: Yes, we stopped off at Winchester, had a look at the cathedral. Did
2: and my father tell you about
3: paying in advance?
1: No, he didn't mention that. You
3: have to pay in advance. Two adults. Yes. One car. That's right. One tent. Yes. And you're staying for
0: how many nights? Ten nights. That'll be ten pounds. Richenda oh. Carey is a great comic actress who's been in a number of my films. Ten camping. And Keith is played by Roger Sloman, whose performance here is just remarkable.
1: Now, I have to sign here, do I? Yes, I'll give you a Thank you. Uh, What's the date? It's the 21st. 21st.
3: And your name is? Mr.
1: Pratt, K. Pratt. Pratt.
0: Indeed. Because we discover in a moment that Keith and Candice Marie are serious vegetarians and they will only eat organic eggs. When we made this film back in 1975, it was pretty rare and remarkable. And if you told us that one day there would be whole sections of organic everything in supermarkets, we would have found it surreal to say the least. So we have moved on. And of course, these guys turn out to have been right. Gents on the
2: right, ladies on the left. Hello, Martin
0: Two years before we made this film, in 1973, we did a play at the Royal Court Theatre in London, at the theatre upstairs, called Wholesome Glory. And it was in that play that we invented Keith and Candice Marie. Um, you only saw them in their flat, entertaining Keith's brother, but we decided uh, during the time we were making the play, we were making it up, that it would be great fun, if ever the opportunity arose, to take them and sling them out into the countryside. So when, um, a couple of years later, I was working for the BBC at um, Pebble Mill in Birmingham with the great producer David Rose, and he said to me, you know, he said, I'm from Dorset, um, and yet I make all these films which are set up north and in the Midlands, these urban films. Why don't you make a film about Dorset? And so off I went and potted around and suddenly thought, well, this is where we could send Keith and Candice Marie. So that's kind of the genesis of, uh, of Nuts in May, just taking these two characters and not actually reworking the play, but having invented them, just letting them loose in the countryside. And um, actually what they experience is far more dangerous than whatever they experienced in the play where they were in the safe confines of their own home. And of course, here you see them kind of replicating their safe suburban home, um, immediately on arriving at the campsite and creating their own little nest. Um, The poem that Alison Steadman had Candice Marie uh, perform just now um, in the tent, of course, Alison wrote in character as Candice Marie, which is why it is such a dreadful poem.
1: One uses it to reset the metal indices
0: now clock the obligatory jar of marmite there on the table. Everything they're saying in this scene, of course, ironically, is absolutely beyond argument. Their take on food values is absolutely correct. It's just that they are such a ridiculous pair. And here they are in bed, separate sleeping bags, of course, but you can be quite sure that they sleep in separate beds at home in their wholesome way.
2: Onion and nut roast for supper.
1: Boiled jacket potatoes. Vitamin
2: C in their
1: skins, Prudence
0: Kitten was a famous 1950s children's television series. And of course, the hot water bottle, the Prudence hot water bottle, was a, a must-have for lots of little girls, and Candice Marie still has hers. This happiness, of course, will not last.
1: Look at that! Corf Castle! Hmm.
0: And here we are, back at Corfe Castle, and with the curse of the control freak tourist and the curse of holidays. They do say that relationships um, do come apart on holidays, and although that doesn't happen to Keith and Candice Marie, their relationship is sorely tested, as you can see right here. This kind of experience is familiar to all of us. Of course, talking of relationships, um, I and Alison Steadman had, at this point in time, been married for two years, and we were to be married for another 25 years, um, very happily, although we're no longer married. Um, we worked on lots of productions together, most famously um, Abigail's Party, a few years later, in which she played Beverly, and, of course, another two of our productions were our two now adult sons, of whom we're very proud is keith a monster i suppose it's wrong to talk about i mean i mean he he, i know whose side i'm on and i'm sure you do Uh, i think um she's pretty patient with him really although i don't know whether i'd want to spend too much time with her either don't know what you think because her idea of this exotic palace which stood on this spot is no doubt very far from the truth because i would imagine that this would be a pretty grim stark bleak basic kind of place, even at its most exotic stage of history.
1: Brownsea Island, Round Island, the Lakeland of Dorset. Pity about the power station in the background, never mind. There are the Heaths, Newton Heath.
0: See, the thing about this guy is his heart's in the right place.
1: railway line going up to Wareham...
0: But it processes all, doesn't it, into his preconceived notion of the order of the world.
1: All this rubbish, Keith.
0: Good
2: they awful. Look at those tin
0: cans.
2: Mm. Just imagine, Keith, if all the people who lived here could come back It's all these crisp bags and sweet papers. Mm. They'd be horrified, wouldn't
1: they? Uh, they find it difficult to comprehend all the changes that have taken place in the world.
2: I think they do come back, Keith.
1: What?
2: They're ghosts.
1: No. There's a car going up the B3351. They're
2: lovely, aren't they?
1: Yeah. Very nice.
0: And really we now get in a way into the politics and the economics of the whole question of untreated milk and organic food and the whole underlying serious debate in this scene uh, because he's something which we've become very very concerned about and very aware of um, in more recent times and currently we are totally preoccupied with all the issues that are being discussed here in the scene uh, this Farmer is being played by Matthew Guinness, who's a wonderful actor that I'd worked with um, before this um, film um, in a play called Babies Grow Old that I um, created at the Royal Shakespeare Company. Um, he, he's stopped being an actor, but he, he's a great, um, a serious comic actor uh, whose father, of course, was uh, Sir Alec Guinness.
1: I was under the impression it reduced the nutritive value. Oh, that's all bollocks, huh?
0: No, it doesn't affect the protein content
1: at all. No, it just kills a few bugs,
3: stops a few diseases, you know, TB, brucellosis, salmonella.
2: Well, surely it would be better to have an accredited herd in the first place. Instead of a The
0: practical versus the romantic, even though they are on the right lines, their heart is in the right place, they've got the right idea, but still, he's laying it on the line, the practicalities. And they can't really
1: deal with that. ...the root of quite a few of the world's problems.
3: Uh, society gets what society wants.
1: Thank you. Thank you. If you people like to pay me
3: a fortune for it, i go accredited.
0: Keith. Now, this no, you tell me question of things. chewing 72 times, uh, the idea of it being 72, um, I discovered long ago um, and this was something attributed to W.E. Gladstone, 1809 to 1898, um, the great Victorian Liberal Prime Minister, who apparently did chew his food 72 times. Try chewing your food 72 times. As Candace Marie says, it's easier with some food than others. Steak's particularly difficult, but. They don't have that problem these guys
1: to, uh, use your discretion
0: now of course there is a huge cheat in this film because um, i think in may a campsite would be rather more obviously populated i mean you don't really see much in the way of other campers you're about to meet um, one other and later you'll meet two others and then that's it um there's a tent nearby here there he is there's the guy the next guy you're going to meet um, the truth is that we made this film very cheaply and very quickly and so there's a kind of isolation the sense of the place being isolated which probably um, isn't completely uh, what you would call naturalistic but um, i don't think it matters because you just focus on the characters in question and you don't really have time to notice the conspicuous absence of everybody else uh, who would be there. And so now the fun begins.
1: Excuse me, are you listening to your radio?
3: No, not really.
1: Would you mind turning it off then, please?
0: We have Anthony O'Donnell, a great Welsh Character actor who um, is particularly brilliant at a kind of laid back deadpan sort of character acting. Um, he was in a very famous and recent successful production of Shakespeare's Twelfth Night, in which he played Festy, directed by Sam Mendes at the Donmar Theatre in London, a production which was very successful in New York. And he did this, this um, Shakespearean clown in this very dry, gentle deadpan way. He's very good at that. And here he is in an early performance, which I think is very memorable indeed, very real. And it's so easy for us to identify with him as he gets into this immediate conflict with these smug, self-satisfied neighbours that he's just acquired.
2: just ignored you completely. It's not fair, is it?
0: Because at the same time, you know, we know what it's like to have noisy neighbours, to be afflicted by noise pollution. So again, I think the drama lies in the fact that uh, there's a case on both sides, but um, well, that's your problem really, to decide whose side you're on. That's what the film is about. Here's a film technical detail that's about to happen. When it cuts from this shot, to the next shot there's a time jump that's to say it's a few moments later but the music the radio that's playing actually continue goes on continuously without a break and that's the kind of thing you can do in film if you actually had a a time jump on the soundtrack it would be distracting um so in fact it's a kind of well, it's a sort of cheat really It's called Nuts in May, and we may suppose that it takes place in May, but actually we shot it in March. And if you look at this, you can see how cold it is and how windy. Look at the wind on the tent and the wind in Alison's hair um, on the reverse. It was very, very cold indeed. And, of course, the crew were all wrapped up in the cold, but the actors, pretending that it was May, were not appropriately clad. It was hard work. Actors do have a tough time shooting movies.
1: There are other things in life apart from money. One should have consideration for one's fellow creatures.
0: Exactly.
2: We didn't bring our radio because we didn't want to cause noise pollution and disturb other campers. Good for you. You're not being very fair, you know.
1: Oh, do us a favour, missus. Look, everything was peaceful until you came along.
0: As I said earlier, David Rose, the producer, had said to me, you know, he made all these urban films. And so he was really inviting me to make a rural film. And of course, on the face of it, that's what I did. But actually, this is as urban a film as any of my films, and all of them are urban, Um, because this is really about urban people behaving in an urban way, quite irrespective of the fact that they are out there in the countryside.
1: Different. Not
2: fair, Keith. Why should we have to move our tent?
1: Well, you have to be decisive at times like these.
2: We need to get safe, Keith. Come along.
0: This is urban siege mentality, reacting to a situation in a paranoid, urban way.
2: Where are we going tomorrow, Keith?
1: Along the coastal path.
2: Hope it's not raining then.
1: Well, oh, it'll only be a shower, I should think, if it is. Probably be over by tomorrow, anyway.
2: How far is it along the coastal path?
1: Oh, it's a few miles.
2: How many miles?
1: Well, uh five or six.
2: Hope it's not more than five or six.
0: I think he's lying.
1: Come along. Keats! Wait for me!
2: How far have we come?
1: Well, there we are, you can see, we started at Kimmeridge Bay, came along the coastal path above the Kimmeridge ledges with their fingers stretching out into the sea, over Egmont Point, round Chapman's Pool, and here we are at St Oldham's
0: Head, sometimes known as... St. So this is a strange place which is actually called St Oldham's Head, A-L-D-H-E-M, and St Albans Head and it has both names.
1: Of course, some people think that Portland stone is only... Five...
0: The Isle of Portland is about 15 miles or so uh, west of this point, as the crow flies, very near. Hello!
2: Sport some milk here. Yes, I know. I'll be able to wear these tomorrow, Keith. Climbing on the rocks.
1: No, No, boots are for hiking. We'll wear our plimsolls for clambering about the rocks, our sandals on the beach, and our boots for tramping the path in the afternoon.
2: You can't take three types of footwear, Keith.
1: You need the right tools for the job.
2: What's he doing, Keith?
1: I don't know. Probably thinks he's a...
0: They're twitching their net curtains. They're poking their noses through their bay window.
1: Oh, just under 14 miles.
0: I told you he was lying.
1: Oh, as long as that. Oh, your legs will soon get used to it. All ah, right, there we are.
0: This little scene only goes to prove how deeply stupid intelligent people can sometimes be.
2: That milk you're holding came out of one of those cars only this morning.
1: Hmm, interesting to know which one.
2: What does it mean, Keith?
1: Well, it means the road to East and West Lulworth via Povington Hill is closed.
2: Does that mean we can't go?
1: No, it doesn't mean that. It just means you spoiled the schedule. i have planned to take 45 minutes along that road, and now we're going to be late. Didn't uh,
2: you know it might be closed?
1: No, I didn't. Let's have a look at the map. Ah, got it upside down. You should pay attention, Candice Marie. Well, let's
2: go somewhere else, Keith. We
1: can't go somewhere else. We're going to uh, Lulworth Cove today. It's on the schedule. Right. Let's
2: go to Lulworth Cove tomorrow. We can't go
1: tomorrow. We're going to a quarry tomorrow. Now, look at the map. Now, we're going over the hills to East Creech, Creech, East Holm, up towards Dover, and on the B3070, down to Lulworth Cove, that way.
2: Don't do have to stick to the schedule, you know, Keith.
1: Well, there's no point in having a schedule if you don't stick to
0: it. And there's a kind of in-joke there, because anybody that makes films will tell you. But um, you have the most elaborate schedules, and you'll spend the entire time changing them, because they never quite work out. Notice the classic Morris Minor first gear noise that the car makes as it moves off.: Oh,
1: they practice when down the heat..:
0: a They're wonderful cars, these. Quite hard to drive, quite hard work, but um, they still have a wonderful romantic because other
2: countries have them if we said I find it
0: sad to reflect when looking at this scene that things have simply got worse and worse and now um, the resources that are thrown at um, the military budget um, for reasons that we, we all know are very depressing indeed we don 't seem to have progressed at all things have just got worse all this time later. I love this scene, it's one of my favourite scenes in all my films. And I like it because he's sort of living in this graphic picture of the place. I mean, he's actually, the way we filmed it, the way we've shot it, the way we're looking at it, and the way he's seeing it, and the way he describes it, are all completely to do with the graphics of the actual environment.
1: Canisbury, you're standing on sedimentary limestone! It's been folded, and it's in the shape of a stair. That's why it's called stair hole. There's a stair there and a hole down here. What?
2: Can't hear you. Of
0: course, as everybody knows, one of the great problems when you're making a film is to have good weather. Of course, it was essential for this scene, as we will discover, that it was raining, uh, because we prepared the scene sometime previously, and it needed to be raining when we shot this whole sequence. And of course, every time we wanted to shoot it, it was good weather. So we'd be somewhere else on the campsite, um, shooting other scenes that needed good weather. And as soon as it looked like it was going to rain, we would rush down to Lulworth Cove. And quite often, by the time we'd got there, it had... Cleared up again and the sun had come out. And so we made several attempts before we came down here on this occasion and managed to film the scene in proper, real, awful, wet weather.
1: Well, if everybody did that, there wouldn't be any pebbles left. Something ridiculous, Keith. Well, they wouldn't. pebbles on I told you what happened at Brighton in Victorian times.
0: Well, whatever did happen at Brighton in Victorian times, they certainly um, didn't do it very thoroughly, because um, there are, and there always have been, tons of pebbles down there. There still are to this day.
1: Stratus is moving across quite quickly. Well, that poor chap
0: so here we are driving along and indeed the weather remains dreadful it really is raining that is until we pull up and if you look in the distance you can see that actually it's quite dry but it's raining in the foreground that's because we had two guys with host pipes showering anthony o'donnell here uh, making it look as though it's pissing wet when in fact it's an illusion it's all part of the trickery of film
1: Our larder isn't sticking in you,
0: is it? Our larder isn't sticking in you, is it? It's a crazy line, and it's such a ridiculous, bizarre line that when we were shooting the film, uh, it became a kind of catchphrase and people went around saying it to each other out of context. Uh, And to this day, there are people who are involved in Nuts in May who will greet each other and have drinks in pubs and suddenly say, our larder isn't sticking in you, is it? Such a ridiculous line.
2: Social services, don't you, Keith? It organises um, pensioners' holidays, wheels and wheels, that sort of thing. Yeah. I work at
0: a toy shop. Oh. And here we're doing another famous classic film cheat. The car is away in the distance, but the soundtrack is, of course, close up. We're in the car with them. Nice, it's you? pretty standard.
2: Good job I wore my boots today, Keys. My feet would have got soaked.
1: Going up west here for a walk.
2: Excuse me, Ray. Sorry to trouble you, but I was uh, oh. just wondering if you'd like to have a look at the pebbles I've collected.
3: Uh yeah, sure. Um, do you want to come in? Mm, thank you. It's, uh,
0: it's a bit cramped, you know, but it's all right, right? Mm. So, the developing situation here, of course, was evolved through rehearsal in several weeks preceding the shooting of the film, um, with extensive improvisations, the kind of thing that I always do on my films, so that we really find the story by exploring what happens to the characters. And that had all been prepared previously, uh, and then was defined in a very precise way when it came to shooting it um, on the actual day. I'm not sure. I'm not too
3: sure either, really. Uh, mm. I'm only a sort of amateur geologist myself, like, but uh, I got to do it as part of my course, you
2: know. Oh, at college?
3: Yeah, it's uh, it's part of my history course. I got to mm. do a thesis on uh, the geology of a certain area, like you know.
0: Well, obviously, Tony needs... O'Donnell had done his background research into the kind of things a teacher training college student would experience. He's very good at research. He played the um, uh, specialist, the gynecologist, on. Um, my film vera drake more recently and did very thorough medical research as part of that operation you know, history geology everything
2: mm. well keith would love this book
3: well you can borrow it if you want
2: could i yeah just for a couple of days yeah oh thank you very much oh look there's <laughs> elberth code mm. have you been anywhere else
3: well i was thinking of going down to Cove castle to take a look around you know
2: mm, we were there the other day it's lovely oh yeah Look, I've got a good idea. Why don't you borrow our Corfe Castle guide? Save yourself twenty p, and then um, we can do a swap. Yeah, it'd be great. Yes, a good idea. Look, I'll pop that Crawford Castle guide over in a couple of minutes. Right, okay. It's all right. Yeah, thanks a lot. Right, thanks very much, Ray. That's okay.
0: And somehow, here in a subliminal way. We're kind of evoking other film genres, that's to say, he's snooping, Um, something mysterious is happening, it's viewed from a distance. Uh, Somehow there's something about the way he now looks through his binoculars that kind of suggests uh, different kinds of other sorts of films without particularly um, drawing attention. To such reference.
2: And his main interest is peace, so why does he have to do another?
1: Well, I
0: don't know. Let's go and ask Ray, shall we?
2: He's don't be silly. Let's ask
1: Ray. He's don't be silly. Come along. He's Excuse me, silly. Ray. Well, if you can help us with a little problem here. Candice Marie was wondering why, when you're doing one subject that you're happy with, why you have to do another one that you don't want to do
0: at all. And coming back to the film, after having not seen it for a long time or particularly thought about about it, um, I was just thinking, you know, we've just discovered that he deals with Meals on Wheels and arranges holidays for pensioners. I wonder whether he blows his top and behaves so badly in those situations, or whether he's okay because he can be patronising and in control I doubt it. I would sort have of thought that um, some um, old-age pensioners would easily press press his buttons, and uh, he probably given to volatile behaviour, an, of an inappropriate kind, pretty often. He's a sad case, isn't he? Really.
1: I'm going for another walk. Do you want to come?
2: No. And if you must know, Keith, I don't want to come on any more trips with you, or any more walks. You are horrible to Ray. You must be really upset now. Anyway, Keith, instead of going for a walk, I think you should go across and apologise to him.
1: And if I don't?
2: Then I don't want to go on any more trips with you.
1: Well, I've come over to apologise. What for? Well, for what happened earlier. I'm sorry.
0: Yeah, sure. Forget it. Curious that Candice Marie is actually reading her own material and uh, what did you say, a rather bulky scrapbook at that I said I was sorry a bit bulky for what did carting round on holiday with you said it didn't I should have thought
2: don't you feel better now you've apologized Keith
0: oh yes much better
2: I knew you would.
0: these actors are as fit as they look and Roger playing Keith here had researched the Canadian Air Force regime as he tells us later so we come to the quarry scene these isle of purbeck quarries are strange remote rather eerie places the locals are rather suspicious famously suspicious and have been for a long time going back centuries um, suspicious of townsfolk and particularly people down from london there's a famous local uh, dorset poet william barnes who wrote a, a very funny a poem in local dialect about when cousin sam came down from london they're very very circumspect about townsfolk and when the actor here, Eric Allen, who plays the quarry man, when we wanted him to research being a quarry man, it was necessary for him to really come and be around the quarry. And so a production assistant arranged uh, with, the, with the owners of the quarry for him to come and, um, and take part. They were actually extremely suspicious. They thought that he would be an actor with a cigarette holder and a a velvet smoking jacket looking rather like noel coward and when he arrived and they found him to be an extremely practical and um physical uh, and indeed highly intelligent guy uh, they were slightly less uh, suspicious but they didn't really allow him to do anything but it just so happened that the day after he arrived the owner of the quarry died so all of a sudden apart from anything else they were a pair of hands short, but also there was the funeral, the local funeral, and the whole. Um community became involved with the quarry and so eric was able to go to the funeral and hang out with the guys he went to the wake he was in the pub and he was able to really access the whole atmosphere and the whole kind of psychology and the 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 whole mood and the spirit of uh, the community apart from being able to really get down and help them out by actually doing the work and thus he was able to become in a very thorough way this uh, this quarry man he tells them here that he is in fact dressing stone for the local post office, for a post office is going to be built at Corf Castle. And indeed, that is exactly what he is doing. That What you see there on the screen is in fact what you would now see, the bits of stone that you would now see if you went down and looked at the post office in Corfe Castle. The whole issue of fossils and dinosaur footprints in this scene are absolutely for real. I mean, some people thought that we'd kind of, that it was fanciful and we'd sort of made it up, but uh, they are absolutely for real. And you really do find uh, the f- sort of fossils they're about to look at, although he tells them that they're not really fossils. And in a moment when they see the dinosaur's footprints, they really are what you will find, what you always have found and you will still find down there as the layers and layers of uh, stone, which used to be mud, of course, Um, are yielded up. Yeah, most people think that. Interestingly, Eric Allen, the Quarryman, a very experienced actor who I've worked with on a number of occasions. He was in my first film, Bleak Moments, and had just been in my play, Babies Grow Old, just before we did this film. Um, Worked with Peter Brook in the Royal Shakespeare Company. Interestingly, he actually um, uh, took time out um, of being an actor to do an open university degree in geology, and in fact became a professional geologist for a while until he discovered that um, really the only kind of work you could get as a geologist involved um, the oil industry. And uh, he didn't really, as an environmentalist, he he wasn't very happy with that and returned to being an actor, which is good news because he's a very good actor and a great actor in many ways. And again, what I, I love about this scene is the juxtaposition of somebody who just is totally straightforward, really, and tells it like it is, with our heroes and their well, and their nonsense, really. I mean, again, their heart's in the right place, but they're kind of um, they're not quite on the case, are they?
2: It's really exciting when you discover one. Wow,
1: when you find the first one, you know it's all going to be. Oh, why is that?
3: Wow, well, he's walking across the mud, isn't he?
1: Oh, I see. They all go in the same direction.
0: Oh, yeah. There's two of air.
1: Good gracious, look at that, one behind the other. Quite short strides. And as
0: I say, these are absolutely for real. Um, no art department work. They are just as we found them.
1: No, it's too large. I wouldn't be able to get it in the car. There's some smaller ones over there.
0: And I love the subtle way, which he's obviously quite happy to sell them whatever they want to buy, but he is also taking the piss.
1: What kind of car you got? I got a Morris Minor.
2: Uh, don't suppose you've got a really small fossil that we could buy?
1: No, oh, it'll come this side. Of course, get one of them on a roof. Got a roof rack? No, 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 it's a, it's a coupe. And I he thought. knows
0: perfectly well that one of those on a roof rack on a Morris minor would squash it to smithereens. I think he'd quite like to see that happening. Thanks very much, anyway. Though how they would get it on top of the uh, car remains to be seen. <coughs>
1: There we are. There's old Harry. It'd
2: be lovely to have a photograph of the two of us in front of it, Keith, wouldn't it? Yes. Keith, when we get back to the campsite, um, shall I ask Grey to take our photograph? I'm sure your mother and Dennis would love a photograph of the two of us on holiday.
1: It's a vertical chalk stack. Of course, at one time, the chalk stretched from here to the Isle of Wight, but the sea has eroded it away over the centuries. Froggy went a courting and he did ride a ha. Froggy went a courting and he did ride a ha. Froggy went a courting and he did ride
0: a Of course, we've just seen a close up of a seagull, and here he refers to a little robin. But you'll notice that I don't oh, yes. cut to a shot of the robin because at this moment it's not really important that we see the bird in question. Actually, what it's about is Keith and Candice Marie and their relationship and what's actually going on.
2: have a nice cup of tea with us? Think that's a good idea, Keith?
0: If you
1: like.
2: So I'll go across and ask him then.
0: Now, going back to the play Wholesome Glory, which, as I said before, was where Keith and Candice Marie were born, although this film is in no way a dramatization of the, th- of the play, um, this next scene is a kind of um, a version of the second act of the play because in the play um, Keith's brother Dennis a character we of course don't see in the film though we have just heard Candace Marie refer to him Hello, comes over for Sunday afternoon tea and what happens in this scene where they as you will see rather bully Ray and finally make him sing their awful song, um, actually happened to Dennis, the unfortunate brother, uh, in the play. So we've kind of recycled the, the comic idea of what happened in the play and made it make sense in a reinvestigated, different way, with a different character in the film. The, 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 the zoo song itself, which they sing, in this um in this scene eventually um of course again uh roger and Alison wrote as keith and Murray in character uh, they they did an improvisation we um took them to london zoo and they actually potted around in character in the zoo and then they went back to the place where we were rehearsing and they sat down and they actually wrote the song um, uh, and of course they, they love it. They think it's a really good song and you will discover shortly how wrong they are.
1: We went to a quarry as well. And of course
0: it's the song that we heard in a different version at the beginning of the film. Picture. And it goes without saying that this picture in fact was done by Alison in character as Candace Marie. Mm. I
1: was never any good at it at school, you know. mm, It's just a hobby, one of our many interests. You have any hobbies, Ray? Well, sport, really, you know. Oh, I saw you doing your exercises this morning. Some
0: people have criticised this scene as being what they call static. That's to say, it all happens in one place and things don't move around very much. And they sort of... Particularly when they know that in some way it's descended from a play they say oh well it's theatrical it's really like a play it's not cinematic i actually disagree with that completely i think it's absolute nonsense i think what happens here is perfectly cinematic the camera serves what's going on and the fact is that these guys are stuck in one place in the middle of a campsite and that's the action of the film and i don't think there's anything uncinematic about that the fact that there's not a great deal of running around and um fast cutting and all that kind of thing doesn't 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 make it any less cinematic. I think we use the camera in a very inventive way that, in each moment, serves what's going on. There's plenty of what they would call those critics cinematic stuff in other places, other parts of the film, including much later on. But I think it's important to um, to express that view because there is quite a lot of nonsense talked by some people about what constitutes cinematic and what doesn't. The fact is there are Moments in all kinds of movies and scenes where what happens, happens in a very straightforward way and the camera serves it in a straightforward way. Actually, I don't simply lock the camera off here in a very static way. Um, We're constantly looking at each image within this scene in a very graphic and filmic way
2: also swim from side to side, like that.
1: Yes, and a carnivore has a very short intestine... And
0: there is an illustration of precisely what I'm talking about. ...through the system... That's an entirely cinematic use of the camera and an inventive and witty one, if I may say so myself.
1: How many people have cancer of the bowel. Well, I don't know, a lot of
3: athletes and sportsmen eat meat. They seem to do all right by it.
2: Oh, yes, but it's a well-known fact, Ray, that a world champion marathon runner um, was a vegetarian and he reckoned that it improved his running
1: yes a lot of famous people in history have been vegetarians leonardo da vinci malcolm Muggeridge,
0: and, and for anybody that doesn't know who malcolm muggeridge was he was a famous journalist a broadcaster in the 50s and to some extent in the 60s uh, he was the editor of punch magazine for a long time a kind of um, posh humorous person
1: chapter one verse 29
3: <clears throat> you if I smoke?
2: well...
1: you do what you want to do Ray.
2: it's just that Keith and I believe that smoking damages your health.
1: well never mind.
2: you see but you can't see the damage that it's doing. but if I could take one of your lungs now and put it on the table in front of you and cut it in half I think you'd be absolutely horrified. you
1: have to remember that the air polluted by one person has to be breathed by everybody else. Pollution is one of the great disasters of our age.
0: I see running a car doesn't bother you much.
1: Oh, I only use it for getting from A to B.
0: Which, I think you'll agree, yeah, is one of the greatest pieces interest. of tautological nonsense in the entire girl. film.
1: Anne-Marie has a guitar. Would you like to show your guitar to Ray, Candice marie Right. Yes, matter of fact, we make up songs together. We went on a trip up to London one day last year and made up a song about going to the zoo. Would you like to hear it? Yeah, why not? All right. You have a girlfriend, uh, Ray? Pardon? Do you have a girlfriend? No. Oh, are you married?
3: I can't afford it.
1: Well, money isn't everything when you're in love, is it, Candice Marie? No, kids Hmm. Well, I usually take the time from uh, Candice Marie, anyway. <laughs> Candice Marie sings the uh, first and the third line and then I come in with the second line and we both sing the last line together. This is Candice uh, Marie's first line. I want to see the zoo, she
2: said. I want to see the
1: zoo. My line, I want to take you there, he said. I want to go with you. I want the to
2: see
1: the third line. Lions and Last line. I want to see the zoo, she said. I want to see the zoo. Do you sing Ray?
3: Well, I, uh, I chant a bit, you know.
1: What, uh, madrigals? No. What sort of thing? Well, I,
3: I don't think they'd be quite suitable here, you know.
1: Shall we sing the second verse, Candice Marie? Yes. Slightly different from the first.
2: <laughs>
1: oh, sorry, yeah. yes.
2: I want to see the zoo, she said. I want
1: to see the zoo. I want to take you there, he said. I want to go with you. i Different lines of you here, you see. And
2: of the tigers, too.
1: I wouldn't be, be afraid, afraid of, everything of everything if I did not have you. See, I got the lines wrong there. They're slightly different from the uh, first. Okay. Now, would you like to join in, Ray?
3: Well, I don't think so, Ray. Really, yes,
1: basically. come along. You can uh, sing the second and the fourth line with me, all right? I want to take you there, he said. I want to go with you. And then the last line is, I want to see the zoo, she said. I want to see the zoo. Now, I'll help you. All right, Marie? I want to see Canisbury's the zoo, first line. said. I want to see the zoo. I want to take you there, he said. I want to go with you. That's it. I want to see Here we are, Ray. Ready? And the Here we are. I want to see the zoo, she said. I, I want, want to, to see, see the, the zoo. zoo. Well done, Ray. Love it. It's lovely. I Would you like to try it on your own?
3: Do no, the... no, I don't. Yeah, see, yeah do the
1: last done. line. Yes. I want to see the zoo, she said. I want to see the zoo. All right? right. Mm-hmm. I'll help you. I want to take you there, he said, I want to go with you. I want to see Here we are, Larry, Ray. Coming up. Ready? Ready? Here we are. I'm... I
3: want to see the zoo,
1: she said, I want to see the zoo. That's very Ooh. good, Ray. That's I very
3: suppose, good. Ray. Do you want the photograph taken now? Huh?
1: Oh, yes. Oh, yes, Ray, yes. Have you taken a photograph before? Uh, yeah. All right, I'll just set the camera for you now. You stand there, Candice Marie. Further forward, further forward. That's it. Stand there, stay there. Now, the sun's over there. Eleven feet should do it. Right. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. Come along, Ray. Stand over here. On the line. That's it. Left foot forward more. Now. Eleven feet. There we are. Now, look into the little black box. Can you see Candice Marie? Yeah. Good. Now, wait until I get over there, and when you can see us both in the little black box, press that button. Can you do that? Yeah. Good.
2: Ready? Yes. Hepburn, Keith. What? He's still got heapen on.
1: Yes. Thank you, Ray. You did that very well indeed.
2: Thank you very much, Ray. Actually, Keith. Yes? What would be really lovely is if we could take a picture of Ray. If that would be all right.
1: Yes, if you want to. Do you want to have your photograph taken, Ray? I don't mind.
2: Actually, Keith, what would be really nice is if you could take a picture of Ray and myself.
1: Well, if you want to, where do you want me to take it? Outside Ray's tent?
2: Uh, no, um, outside our tent, our same place as us, if that's all right.
1: Would you like to go and stand over there, Ray? come on, Ray. Smile. Oh, come along. Say cheese. Cheese. Big cheese. Cheese. No, say big cheese. Big Big cheese. Oh, you can do better than that. Now, come along. One, two, three. Big cheese.
0: Nuts in May was my third film. Unlike its two predecessors' bleak moments and hard labor, Uh, There was no musical score. I just prefer to use the natural musical elements within the film. Uh, There was a guy who played the guitar in bleak moments. This particular kind of song, um, sung on a campsite, is nostalgic for me because in the 50s, when I was a teenager, this is the kind of song we used to sing when we went camping. I don't play the guitar myself, but lots of my friends did. And indeed, some had banjos. What I love about this is the tension between Keith and Candice Marie's enthusiasm for the song and their naivety in relation to what the song is actually about, because I don't think they really understand the true nature of what the song is saying about the pain of love. And now, as they say, the plot thickens. Here we have two of the most extraordinary characters ever invented anywhere honky and finger we will discover all about them shortly but the actors stephen bill and sheila kelly um, were married at this time and they actually uh, in character came all the way down to dorset from london although the characters would have come from birmingham on the motorbike in character not on the day when we actually filmed this i mean it was a a few weeks earlier when we rehearsed the material, but they did have the experience. Since they were gonna come down anyway on the motorbike, they thought, well, we all thought it would be a good idea for them to actually do it in character, and they did, and uh, it was very interesting. And they arrived um, in the early version at the rehearsal at the campsite, and they rode all over somebody's vegetable patch uh, near the campsite, and we had to go to great lengths to apologize and um, explain that these guys were only behaving badly because they were in character. Um, that doesn't actually happen here because there are no vegetable patches on the fictional campsite. Um, but you can see that what they were doing is exploring their free, anarchic, urban, brummy behavior, which is of course what is so delightful and enjoyable here, particularly when juxtaposed with our prim and proper heroes, Keith and Candice Marie. And I just love the contrast between the completely improvised and spontaneous nature of their whole turnout, including their clobber, uh, with that of Keith and Candice Marie.
1: Hey,
3: Hank
2: Hunk, on your head. Oh.
0: Well, there's bound to be trouble, so stay tuned.
2: I'm bleeding helmet. Hey, hey, just hold it. If I... Peg this it's out there. Hold it, hold over. it, hold it. If I peg it out, it'll hold it up.
0: Tent's falling down, Keith. Fall over!
3: Just hold it for us, give us
2: a hand. do do that. <laughs> Come on, you give us a hand, we can get inside. Enough. Oh, look at it, that ain't right. Bit of wind, it'll fall over. Won't. Honestly, it's a bleeding army tent, this
3: is. Nothing will blow this over. That's it, it's great. Hey,
2: Hunk! Honk, come in here. Oh, he's going over to help the tent up, Keith. Keith! i there's enough a lot of
3: room in here. Oh, they looks good. Do
2: you want a hand? Oh, it's up now, ta.
3: You've, uh, you've got it inside out. Hey? Don't make no difference, does it? Well, see these things? They all detent the up. Well,
1: I thought this was the better side light.
3: Well, it's the inside.
1: Come oh, on. Ah. Maybe you're right. Uh, honky! Uh, looks like we got it the wrong way round. Uh, we better change it. I'll give you a hand. Ta.
3: Yeah, I should be alright now.
0: Ta. Look at her boots. And she's customised them herself. And again, Sheila Kelly did it in character as Honky. And actually, looking at the film now, it's interesting to look at the haircuts and the moustaches and the, these platform boots and all kinds of other stuff, and you realise what a long time ago 1975
3: was. Yeah. Well, uh, I'll be my tent. Give us a shout when you're ready.
0: Right.
2: See ya. All right. Thank you. Oh yeah,
3: very big easy. Don't matter, you'll be on your back anyway.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Come on. Oh. <laughs> right, game shot. Yeah, I'll I'll get it for you.
0: I was talking earlier about why I didn't cut to a shot of a robin in an earlier scene. Here I must say, looking at it now, I rather regret that we don't here yeah. cut to a shot of the dartboard so that we can see honkies. Accurate dart playing, because obviously she's pretty good, and I kind of want to see it. You know, the thing about films is when you come back to them years later, you do start to see things that you think you could have done better. On the whole, I like this film, and I like its simple, crude, basic shooting style, but um, there are one or two things that you, you one would like to change. Whereas here you see, it's very graphic, it's very nice, it's very close, and I think it's very appropriate for what's going on.
2: What are you reading, Keith?
1: The Guinness Book of Records.
3: It's the same the whole world over.
2: It's, it's the, the
3: poor that gets the blame.
1: It's the rich that gets the pleasure. Hey, hey, hey. All right? Good
0: night. Kiss Prudence. And the question is, is kissing Prudence the closest they ever get to you know what?
3: <laughs> there's that one about the, the cook, you know, making the apple Ooh. pie. He <laughs> must have been army cook, because there's this colonel there, like, you know. Yes. And uh, anyway, he was uh, he got his teeth out, and he was just putting all marks, like, around the pie, Patterns. you know. Oh, that patterns around so. the pie. Oh, and the Colonel says to him, he says, Hey, you uh, boothby or whatever his name was. He says, Hey, haven't you got anything better to do that with? And he says, "Ah, oh, but I'm saving that to make the holes in the doughnuts. <laughs> <good, isn't> <laughs> yeah. Do you know the Irish intelligence test? No. What's that? Well, look, uh, pick a finger. Go on
0: any finger, pick a finger, right?
3: All right. Right. Now, I'm going to jumble them all up, and I want you to tell me which thing you picked.
0: <laughs> I don't think that joke would be acceptable nowadays, but I can't really apologise for it. It's still quite funny. <laughs> i in the building trade.
3: Oh, yeah. Doing what? Plasterer. That's good money, isn't it? That's great. Ain't much work about that, you know. Yeah. Yeah, they building no bleeding houses. <laughs> What do you do, Anki?
2: Work in an office.
3: What, clerk or something?
2: Yeah, it's a civil service and clerical officer.
0: Sits on her ass all day. I don't. And what I like is the fact that, actually, somewhere along the line, she's not not (laughs) a million miles away from Keith (laughs) and his uh, line of work. We'll have a kick round tomorrow, shall we? Because he wouldn't expect that. He wouldn't know it he would see her and assume oh, that she yeah. was something quite different. What, what's She's actually pretty sharp and focused, is this man, lady. A good side.
3: Yeah, done all right Season, season, not he? Yeah. Well, oh, they shouldn't have sold Latchford, though, you know. That's where they went wrong. they got no strength in depth, you know, and they had a lot of injuries and that, yeah. and it's, it's sort of weak on the their side. But they're doing all right. How do you reckon their chances in the cup? I reckon they'll win.
0: <laughs> I think it'll be interesting, if you feel like it, for you to... Um, Get on, the, uh, on your computer and go on the net and find out what actually happened that season to the team they're talking about. You might find that an interesting exercise. You? It was
2: 1975, let me remind oh,
0: you. God, oh, God, let's get out. Don't Don't Because what you can't get on film is the true experience of a fart. And um, this is as close as we get to it, really. And if you ever went camping, you'll know what somebody farting in the tent is actually like. It's um, pretty strong stuff.
3: We're going then, John. Yeah, thanks a
0: lot. <laughs> see you tomorrow. ta yeah,
3: where are you? Oh, i
0: This film was shot very, very quickly indeed. It was shot in 16 days. And uh, as a matter of interest, it was shot during a BBC industrial dispute. So the um, very good film crew were working to rule, and the filming stopped on the button at seven o'clock every evening. Um, It was shot so quickly that it's lit in a very, very... I I would say, in a way, kind of crude way, um, it's very well done, but it's, there's something very simple and crude and direct about the whole style of the film. It's not as sophisticated as, from a cinematographic point of view, as m- many of my later films, all of my later films, particularly those shot by Roger Pratt and Raimi Adifarison and Dick Pope. So this is a night shoot, and really there is probably rather more light around than you would actually Get and of course, the art of shooting um, action that takes place absolutely in the dark is a sophisticated one, a crawly, but it's it? very good for all that. And of course, the real, the most important thing is that you don't think about that, you don't notice it. Because what is important is what's going on, and these characters are very interesting. I hope. <laughs> Your old man's
3: end.
2: Oh, <laughs> <a starpy! laughs> what time is it, Keith? Must be ever so late. <laughs>
1: Look, this is a tent. I am in a tent. The walls of a tent are thin. I can hear everything you're saying. Now be quiet. Get back to bed. And you get back to your tenements.
2: Oh, tenements. Oh,
3: come on. Turn it up. (laughs)
0: and that's a nice unrehearsed moment when he bangs his head Um, that's one of the wonderful things about film those things just happen by accident and of course you keep them in very nice some more period footwear Notice um, we're using the zoom lens here. That's to say the lens that um, can go from one shot to the other within the moment. Um, We use it a lot in this film. In fact, if you look at my films, you'll find that I virtually never have a zoom lens, only in these very early films. Um, The style as it evolved really astute that um, kind of uh, technique and style, or, and in fact, you don't get it in my very first film, Bleak Moments. But again, it's part of the kind of visual, instant shorthand of the style of this film that the zoom lens makes sense. Stephen Bill's character Finger here is a quintessentially brummy character. I spent quite a lot of time in Birmingham at this time. It's not my favourite place. George Mellie, in his autobiography, describes Birmingham as the arsehole of England. Um, for me, the... Um, the th- The words, the sentence that sums up Birmingham um, would go something like this, I don't like it. And somehow, um, this character is a very quintessentially Brummie kind of a soul. And here's another one, but slightly less so.
3: You got a bleeding cheek, that goes. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't making much noise. I think he's a bit of a
1: nutcase. Come along, the kettle's boiling. Oh,
2: all right,
1: you. You want your tea now or when you come back?
2: Oh, when I come back.
3: Morning. Morning.
0: And they all of them manage to be civilised here, except, of course, Keith, who isolates himself from everybody else. And what I particularly like in this next moment is, of course, when we get inside the toilet block, the implied solidarity amongst the sisters. Despite the fact that they're on the opposite sides of the um, enemy line, they actually can be civilized uh, with each other in the moment. Another shot of a bird, this time it's a crow auguring very bad news.
1: What are you doing? Mind your own business. You're not making a fire, are you? What's it got to do with you? Well, I just remind you that open fires are not allowed here. Oh, shit. When you arrived at the campsite, you were issued with a card. Oh, I want.
2: I think you must have been because Miss Bill gives everybody one.
1: She didn't give us one did she?
2: yes it's just like an ordinary white postcard with the address of the campsite on the front and a list of ten rules on the back.
1: and rule number one is no open fires. i'm gonna get some green stuff and get it going.
2: you've been very silly you know because if you do light an open fire then you're going to get thrown off the campsite.
1: Now, don't be silly. No, but you mind your own bleeding business. It is my business. My business is to protect the life of the countryside and our heritage. Now, you don't seem to be aware of those things, so I'm advising you as to the extent of your responsibilities. You shouldn't be breaking those branches, and you shouldn't be making a fire. Gotcha, monkey. Now, I don't want to get you into trouble, but if you go on with this, I shall have to go and tell Miss Beale. You can tell her you're bleeding well like. All right, if that's the way you want it. How are we supposed to cook our dinner, then? You can have a cold dinner. We've got sausages. Well, you shouldn't be eating sausages. Why, no? Oh, quite apart from the toxic substances in the meat, there are quite a few harmful additives and preservatives in the sausage.
2: I don't think you realise how dangerous an open fire can be. I mean, for one thing, you could easily set fire to your tent. Wait, our tent?
0: (laughs) Those terrifying crows again. And the scene that follows took a while to shoot, was done very thoroughly, and, as you will see, used a handheld control. camera, as well as a camera oh, it,
1: the camera
0: on the tripod. It,
1: she's not there. Now, stop what you're doing.
3: No. I'm you think you are. I'm
1: a good citizen who's aware of his responsibilities. You're a bloody comedian, mate! No, I'm not. Now, stop what you're doing. No. Look, I've paid my money. You got now, Roger, come telling me what to do. Oh, I've got every right. I have the power to arrest you if I wanted to. Now, stop making that fire. Who, copper? No, but every citizen has the right to arrest another citizen who's breaking the law, now be told. What law am I breaking? You're breaking the laws of the campsite and the laws of the country code. Now, I don't want to have to use force. Put the stick down.
3: No? Oh, come on.
1: What are you going to do about it, did I? Just put the stick down. Just leave it. If you want to fight? not to... be told! You'll <laughs> touch me. I'm going to killer. kill you. Now, look, I don't want to fight you. I just want to tell you that you shouldn't. Finger, look, keep away leave me from me! Oh, I just want you to stop making the fire and stop breaking those branches. Come on, Finger, I'm leave it alone. Don't me. Go on. No, no, I'm not going to. Get away from me. I'll knock your head off. Get back. I'm warning you. You'll you touch me knock me your up. head off. I'll <laughs> knock your head off. You come, come on, man, if you want to fight. Come on, if you want to fight. I'll give you a beating. Come on. Come on, let's fight. Come on, I'll knock your head off. Don't touch me, mate.
3: I'll
2: you your your off. Oh, Peter, just slip. will put it down. Come on, then. Come on. come on. What about it, eh? i come, come, on. come on, you get your geezer over here, so I'll kick this bloody table over. Keith. On, Keith, then. she's got a knife and she's going to kick come the table over.
3: You get back.
2: Finger. Finger, get over here. Hey, blame you about Saturday. Oh, shut up.
3: Bastard. you're you crying now. Oh, shut up. you're you crying. Oh, shut up.
1: I'm only trying to advise you for your own good. (laughs) You want to get in luck, your missus?
2: Are you all right, kids?
3: I'm going for a walk.
2: I didn't want to come here in the first place.
0: To marry you. So what is this film about? Of course it's a good laugh, but I think it's about tolerance, it's about freedom, it's about having a sense of humor and not having a sense of humor. In a way, it's about intolerance and a certain kind of fascism. It's about free spirits. It's about received ideas. It's about um, the done thing, behaving how you think you ought to behave, as opposed to how you naturally just want to behave or are naturally drawn to behaving. It's about being open it's about being generous Um, and of course it's about being selfish and about being closed-minded and you perhaps could say that all of my films in one way or another are about these things but certainly that that's what's going on in this film nuts in May I love it when he says, here's John, because you could be forgiven at this moment for thinking that you'd got it wrong and you thought he was called Ray, and he is called John. But he just says John when he arrives. He says, "All oh, right, John, because that's a Birmingham sort of thing that people call each other. And somehow he just refers to him now as John as though that was actually his name. Particularly nice, natural afternoon light there and the shadows at this moment, very pleasant. And poor old Candice Marie. You know, she really is much better, or would be much better at just being herself than the situation she's in allows her to be. Oh, well,
3: see
1: ya. come along, Candice Marie, we're leaving.
2: Leaving, Keith?
1: Yes, leaving, come
0: on. So once again, Keith is Tilted? susceptible to his siege mentality no. he can't take it he has to you wait here walk away as soon as he's off kind of behind his back the girl has to do what a girl has to do
2: Excuse me, Ray. Oh. Uh, we're going to try and find another campsite. Oh. So I just thought I'd bring your ancient Perbeck back. Oh,
3: thanks very much. Um, well, I've got your Cove Castle guide, haven't I? Yes. Yeah, hang on. Yeah, uh, thanks oh. for the lend.
2: Thanks very much. Well, enjoy the rest of your holiday. Yeah, and
3: you. I think you
0: should know. be better off with him, really. What do you think?
2: OK, well, cheerio then. Yeah, ciao.
1: Yes, I have read the rules of the campsite. It also says that if exceptional circumstances exist, then perhaps some grounds may be found for a refund. Five pounds is a lot of money. I'm
2: afraid you'll have to see my father
1: about that. And when will he be here? Should be in tomorrow morning, any time before 10 o'clock. All right. Thank you.
0: So there they are. Refugees, lost souls, with nowhere to go.
3: I just going down to Spanish. Do you want to get the bus and come down? It's too far. What are you doing tonight, then? I'll probably go down the village later, you know? Oh, OK, well, hey, we could have a drink on the way back. All right, then, I'll see you down okay. there, all right, yeah? Hey, what about them, hey? <laughs> oh, come on. All right, then. Well, they're folks, you know? No. I'm no? we right. <laughs> about it, isn't Oh, yeah, yeah. well, see you anyway. Hello. This is Radio 1 and Radio
2: 2. Wouldn't it be lovely, Keith, if we were gypsies, like in the old days? We had a lovely painted caravan, and we could just stop wherever we wanted.
1: I suppose we could stay in a bed and breakfast if the worst came to the worst. When
2: was the thatched
1: roof, Keith? It doesn't really matter what kind of roof it has, so long as it's got
0: one. We played a trick here. The car was pushed into the shot by a few guys on the unit so that the engine wouldn't be running, which would make it slightly more sinister when it arrived. <laughs> Richard Eyerson here was a, was a great character actor very dry giving the copper that to our delight is going to give Keith a bad time. This scene was shot on um, part of the so-called Banks estate which is a large um, enormous estate near Korf Castle and Ladybanks, which is spelt B-A-N-K-E-S, and it's a family that goes back over a thousand years, apparently. Ladybanks um, came along the road where we shot this, which was on her estate, though it's a kind of public road, um, and was horrified to see a large crowd of people and a police car and a policeman, and she wanted to know what was going on. Uh, and was, I think, a little bit disappointed to discover that um, it was just a scene in a film that was being shot. The name, please, sir. Keith Pratt. Address?
1: 37, Valemore Road, Croydon, Surrey.
0: It just is such an enormous amount of fun to see sign. Mr Pratt yeah, getting his comeuppance and being put on the grill here in this way. The,
1: uh, and he
0: is in for the high jump.
1: Of and the M.O.T. on the 3rd of April. got the boot, please, Keith. What that, Candice Marie. You drive, do you?
2: No. I'm going to take lessons, though. Mm.
3: What's this, then?
1: Well, that's our camping equipment. Uh, tent there. No, that, that's the tent. That's the uh, flysheet. Well, don't take it out, Candice Marie. The sleeping bag there.
2: camping gas. The
1: table there. What about this then? What's
0: that? A tire. as
1: bold
2: as a baby's bum. Isn't that Keith? Oh yes Keith, so it is.
0: Candice Marie is not the person you really want along as your accomplice when you're committing a crime.
3: You realise that's an offence, huh?
2: Get that changed as soon as possible, if I was you. Excuse me, sir.
0: (laughs) Sit in the car, please. I love the way he looks at his watch in passing. You see out your rear view mirror, sir.
1: The boots up. If the boot wasn't up, could you see out? Yes. You make sure you don't put anything on that back seat. Oh, I usually keep it clear.
3: That could be an offence as well, you know.
0: There it is again. Quick glance at the watch. Another piss taker. And a final time check.
3: Fancy a roll in the hay then?
2: No, thanks.
0: So here we are back with the ongoing discussion that this farmer has about um, agricultural economics and related issues.
3: It's 40 quid's worth of lazy old wheat straw, take it or leave it? I think I'll leave it. Fertiliser bags, all plastic, very fertile. What do you like? every year?
0: They say never work with children and animals. Well, we work with plenty of animals here, and I think on the whole it's worth it really. They do very well, these animals. ...if
2: it's possible to camp here?
0: Yeah, it's possible.
2: You see, it's getting rather late and we've got to find somewhere.
0: Yes.
1: Well, there's a field up behind those sheds. It's all yours if you want it. Do you have any facilities?
3: None whatsoever. I'm not a campsite. I haven't got a licence. There's water up there, tapped by the water trough. And there's a wood on the other side if you need a ship,
1: I'll let you have a spade. Oh, I have my own spade, thank you. Oh, jolly good. How much do you charge?
0: Well, shall we say 25p? Well,
2: that's very reasonable, Keith.
0: Well, it, um, 25p, those were the days. That is a long time yeah. ago. Thank you very much. But it was still cheap then.
1: Well, you can run your car straight up there and close the gate behind yes. you. Yes. Well, we always obey the country code. Bye-bye.
2: Thank you very much.
1: Been mountaineering, then?
2: Uh, no, they just ordinary walking boots. Right, thank you very much
1: look at that key it's lovely oh yeah lovely sort of colors refracted in the cloth Mm.
2: I remember when I was at school, Keith, yes. about five, yes. and the teacher asked us to bring in some long chiffon scarves. Yes. And then she put on some music, and we yes. all had to sort of dance about like this yes. and pretend to be fire and water and wind.
1: Yes, different elements.
2: Yes, that's right, sort of expressing the music.
1: Yes, it's a shame when we reach adulthood the way we lose a childlike wonder in the elements, mm. the universe, the joy of life.
2: Listen to that.
1: Find.
2: Isn't that lovely? The guitar.
1: Oh, yes, yeah, it's playing itself.
2: It's just the wind just drifting through. Sort of really magic sound, isn't it? Yeah,
0: it's in harmony with the birds. And in harmony with the birds, the realities of agriculture going on right where they are, but out of sight. Another classic Candice Marie song. Again, invented, written, composed by Candice Marie herself. These free-range pigs that you're about to see are extremely dangerous. I always make these films without knowing what they're going to be called. This film had no title while we were shooting it. And I really wanted to call it Eaten by a Pig. Um, and I floated that um, idea to my masters at the BBC, but on the whole, the idea was rejected. I think it's rather a good title for this film, given everything it's about, because I think it's quite possible that that is what's going to happen. But in the end, I gave in and uh, came up with Nuts in May instead, which I think is a good title, but eaten by a pig. I think it would have been fun.
2: you do.
0: Now then, you look at this pig. This was actually a very short bit of film of a pig chewing, and what we did because we like the idea of the pig going on and on throughout these end credits, is we did an optical a special treatment in the laboratory so that when the pig um, gets to the end of his eating bit, it then goes backwards. So he eats backwards for a while, and then when it gets to the, the backwards bit, it turns around and goes forwards again, and it just carries on going forwards and backwards and forwards and backwards until we've reached the point where we no longer need him. So what you're looking at is a continuous piece of the same pig eating forwards and then backwards and then forwards and then backwards and so on until the end.